Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan, and with me as always is a man who once was a dead chicken for like an hour or something. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and uh, I don't really remember that bit. No, you don't remember, like, uh, it was like maybe John Voight describing, like, I don't know who it was, but like, they were rehearsing and like, we need to see that you guys are having trouble, like, coming together, so... Pretend there's a dead chicken in the middle of the table. And then because oh, yeah. just crawled on the table and pretended to be a dead chicken for the entire rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, normal, not psychologically unbalanced things. <laughs> it's what you do, Pat. It's what you do. So this week we have finished the five John Cassavetes films in our box set. Five films by John Cassavetes. And we get to film number six. A film not <laughs> because, by John right, okay, Cassavetes. Because Criterion just kind of hates words and language <laughs> that makes sense. They don't have meaning. <laughs> film number six is a documentary called A Constant Forge from the year 2000. Uh Directed by Charles Kisiliak. You're getting name maybe I'm no closer. Doubt saying incorrectly, but it's about the life and work of John Cassavetes. I mean, to be fair, it's a three. It's a three and twenty minute. It's a three hour and twenty minute long eulogy, essentially. It is. It is essentially a three hour and twenty minute long eulogy. Um, our director here did a lot of these sorts of documentaries. <laughs> okay, so uh, a, lo- very long form A and E documentaries. Not necessarily this long form, uh, but he does a lot of sort of behind the scenes and uh, anniversary release edition actor interview documentaries. Uh, did one for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Easy Rider, Tootsie. So this guy's essentially um, famous for getting people, like famous people, to just cry on screen. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, he's also known for feature length documentaries. Um, that I haven't seen, so I don't know how close they are to this format. I hope they're not. Um, uh, his most recent was in 2009 called Red Light, about child sex exploitation. God, I hope it's not like um, this. Yeah. He also did one called uh, When Cultures Collide, From Perry to Pearl Harbor, a History of America's Relationship to Japan. I, I, I uh, will probably not check it out, but I could. Yeah. yeah, I would probably it would probably just make me like angry. It could be interesting. Well, yeah, but like, mm, eh. people oftentimes don't do a good job with that topic. Like, it's more often than not not doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you uh, even getting this? It must be on IMDb because the the Wikipedia for Charles Kisiliak is nothing. Yeah, I was uh, I was on a. Uh... Okay. On his IMDb page. Um, Apparently his documentaries yeah, are not really, good enough to get him a uh, to get him a Wikipedia page. Yeah. 
Well, it's not like uh, those feature length ones aren't exactly well known things. I don't know where where they might have aired. Yeah, but I kind of thought everything had a Wikipedia page at this point. Huh? I kind of thought everything got a Wikipedia page at this point. Oh no, no, Wikipedia still has standards. And in the waning <laughs> days of Wikipedia, which we're kind of in, uh, I think the uh, the controllers have have started to become uh, sort of insulated. And so they, uh, they're holding on to power as best they can. Oh, I see. So as you said, a constant forge is kind of a video eulogy. Yeah. Uh, which is, which also it is, is it kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah. Is a selection of interviews, uh, with various people, uh, who worked with Casavetes, uh, John Voigt, Sean Penn, Carol Kane, Peter Falk, Seymour Castle's in there, Ben Gazar is in there, uh, Jana Rollins, whose name it turns out we miss mispronouncing. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're bad at everything. Yeah, I would never look at G N G E N A and think uh, Jenna and not Gina. Yeah, me neither. Uh, unfortunately, but but turns out we've been pronouncing it wrong. So, uh, yeah, obviously we haven't seen all of those actors in films that we've watched. Uh, Sean Penn. Um, yeah, I mean, for for the fir- think, for the first five Cassavetes minutes that I saw Sean Penn and and John Boy, I was like, "Huh, I wonder what Casavetes movie they were in." And then I got really tired of seeing Sean Penn. <laughs> it is so easy to get tired of seeing Sean. Yes, Penn, isn't it, it is. It is. It is remarkable. I was like, "Wow, Sean Penn!" Oh man. <laughs> oh, they're, you're going to show him a lot, huh? Okay. Uh, All right, well, Sean Penn. You mind if I check? Twitter while you, you talk, Sean Penn. Yeah, okay. you you sure did beat the crap out of Robin Wright. That's all I think about when I see Sean Penn. I mean, like even yeah, no, just in general, like yeah, just in general, even beyond like specific, even beyond specific actions, it's like God, I hate Sean Penn. <laughs> just I just like, like don't like him, like as a like have never liked him in any capacity. Absolutely. One of those people who every time he appears in a movie, you're like, why did I rent this movie? What the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> I don't know if I can even think of a Sean Penn role, period. Well, no, that's that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. It's like you probably turned it off. Yeah. You're like, oh, God, like this came on TV. Oh, no, I got to get out of here. I mean, now, now, now. I have to go look at his filmography because that's what the what this this goddamn podcast does to us. <laughs> um, but like uh, you know, no. he was in Taps. Okay, he was in. Uh, yeah, it would it would figure that he would Taps. eventually end up on TV. <laughs> then Red Line, being John Malkovich. I've completely forgotten. Well, I you know I don't know. I've never seen being John Malkovich. So I, I think his is his is a very short like cameo, but but he is in there, um, because he plays himself, not a not right. A role, okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen any of these movies, which would explain a lot about why, which which is it, it, we starting to get into like a chicken or egg phenomenon here, but. But I'm pretty sure it's because I don't like Sean Penn. I completely forgot the one Sean Penn movie I actually enjoyed, Milk, uh, where he stars as Harvey Milk. Right. Well, I saw, you know, I didn't and actually I see And I completely, like, disassociated that as being Sean Penn. See, that's what you do, though, right? Like, if you have seen yeah. one of his movies, you're like, 
That must have been somebody else. <laughs> had to have been. Had to have been somebody else. Uh, he did also do that interview with El Chapo a couple years ago. Where, oh, uh, right, he yeah. flew to the Mexican jungle. Uh, <laughs> because why not? Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah, okay, we can, we can, we can be done with Sean Penn. <laughs> yeah, let's be done I mean, with it's Sean just, Penn. It was just a general, like, God damn it, why is this guy here? We could probably similarly talk about John Voight. Uh, yeah, although, although John Voight do doesn't make me... John Voight does not make me physically angry when I see him. John yeah. Voight just makes me like weirdly sick to my stomach, which I don't know <laughs> why that is. Still either. just unconscious. Yeah, I, I don't know like John Voight in old John Voight roles does not do that to me. But like John yeah. Voight circa when this film was made and any time after that makes me a little bit sick to my stomach. Yeah. And I don't know why. Um. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. I, I uh, tend to have weird, weirdly like psychosomatic reactions to most actors. Actually, it's a weird well, thing. That's, I don't uh, know why. We recently we had the Videodrome episode a while back, and we talked a lot about James Wood's uh, politics and his Twitter. Uh, John Voight's politics are kind of in line with that, but John Voight's definitely quieted down in the last. Uh, Six months or so. Well, that's that's. Uh, whereas James Woods has him. turned it up to a <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, no, I, I there's some there's some other thing though, about him. I don't know so what t- it is. I can't put my finger on it exactly, but yeah, no, I mean, just I feel a little bit sick to my stomach when I see him. Yeah, yeah. It seems like John Voight might be one of those Hollywood conservatives who uh, did not decide to go all in uh, on the. Yeah, uh, that seemed to have been a thing, right? Where they're like, well, yeah. We're already the least like people in America, so fucking double down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want anybody under 60 to like me. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. So this movie. Yeah. No, we're not going to talk about it. I don't. I don't know. It's really it. challenging. It is three hours and twenty minutes long. It is right? three hours and twenty minutes and is... of stories that are largely yeah. unconnected, except for people saying how awesome Casavetes was. Like, yeah. so it, it they're not. It's it doesn't move in chronological order. It moves in thematic order, as yeah, far as I can tell. Kinda. But I can't remember the order of the themes, so I can't help you there. <laughs> I just remember that it was clearly divided into sections where they were saying a certain kind of thing about him. And it was divided into sections that were headed by a line of poetry. Which, that I'm not good at poetry, so I the was really confused most of the time. Yeah. Like, I, I have a really seriously hard time reading and understanding poetry. It's just a personal thing. Um, yeah. So I was most of the time not really getting what it was going for. Yeah. Um, Something about it, the lyrical, like the lyricalness of the poetry, doesn't come through to me, and so I can't get. It. When I hear it read out loud, I understand it, but when I just read yeah. poetry, I'm like, I don't know what what's going on here. And so I, so I saw la- it, and like, I don't know what I, I don't know. The last thing we had that was sort of approaching this, uh, Sloman's Ingmar Bergman makes a movie. Um, 
was just as long. But let's be clear, it's about a specific movie that we but had was, watched. Yeah. It was also a uh, a miniseries on television. So, you know, 30 to 45 minute episodes. Right. Which um, helped with the thing. Clearly the defined. Of, right. Yeah. You, you could understand like, okay, this is what we're going to talk about yeah. now. Um, and in yeah. general, I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, I did really enjoy that. It, but and I think it had because it was very it, this, clearly defined. Yeah, this if is this what had we're been do. more clearly defined what was going on. But but we also had, you know, on the ground behind the scenes stuff, whereas this is a lot of talking head interviews and maybe some still photographs from Right. From People telling work. stories and then maybe a still photograph of the thing that's being yeah. told in that story. The only thing I really yeah. liked is uh it it featured a fairly good helping of the music from yes. uh you know, uh, what is it, Bo Hardwood, or what's his name? Shoot, Hardwood, I believe, yeah. yeah. Who, I have been on a personal quest since I watched The Killing of a Chinese Bookie to get a copy of the soundtrack of The <laughs> yes. Killing of a Chinese which does not exist. Let's be clear here. Oh, that's unfortunate. That thing does not exist that I want. Uh, because that, the main song of that movie is a permanent part of my mind now. <laughs> that follows me around. And essentially plays anytime I see a neon light. Okay? <laughs> like, I adore that song. Yeah. And I yeah. can't have it. But I got it one more time, just as a real quick, like, by the way, hope you remember this, because I think you like it. Uh, That's... And the closing song. Both both the main theme and the closing song of, of yeah. that movie are just fucking amazing. Yeah. Whereas Igmar Bergman makes a movie, uh, had very specific instances of Bergman's process, even though some of them were faked for for the filming. Yeah, but um, what I mean, yeah, my, we, I, yeah, okay. Welcome to every documentary we've ever yeah. watched. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about we really when we watched got, that series too. Yeah, we got into it. Um, whereas here, we do talk about his process. Um, but it's so retrospective. It it doesn't feel the yeah. same, right? Like when you're watching, it's absolutely not the same. Yeah, it's not the same again, type it's of like documentary. It's, it's not, and it really and this feels like is kind of boring. <laughs> when I was a kid, my dad loved A and E documentaries. Yeah, and specifically if people have been dead for a super long time. Okay, like we're talking like <laughs> yeah. you know A and E's documentary of James Adams or something like that. Um. And they got all of James Adams' living friends together. Well, you know, but, 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 let's be clear here. There's not a huge difference between, like, a big group of talking head friends and a big group of talking head historians. Yeah. Like, generally almost the same level of enthusiasm. Yeah. Maybe a few less tears. Although I have seen numerous historians cry, okay? Over the years that this was happening in my life... I have seen quite a few historians tear up talking about famous yeah. dead people, okay? Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's it's not that big of a difference. I mean, the, the, all the material is the same, right? Because it's already too late to collect the material. So it's just yes. photos and artist renderings and shit like that. Just the stuff he didn't leave on the subway. Right, right. Which... I assume I'm, I'm surprised we didn't get any artist renderings because, like, well, he left most of everything <laughs> on the subway, so 
Uh, we don't really have a lot of physical evidence of Cassavetti's life. Um, he may not have existed. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> we'll, we'll never know. We recently uncovered a scroll that seems to indicate that he really was a real person. Crazy. <laughs> the first written evidence uh, of John so, Cassavetes occurred 100 years after his death. Uh, sorry. Yeah. So we also have Cassavetes uh, talking about himself um, through, <laughs> through, uh, through a narrator because, again, he's already gone. Yeah, he's already dead. Uh, he died in 89. Um, so, uh, but frequently um, we have narration reading from Casavetes on Casavetes, uh, edited by Ray Carney, uh, a book that didn't come out until the year after this movie, in fact. <laughs> One of the last, uh, the last credit cards is, is saying that this book is forthcoming. Um, but it was published in 2001. Uh, so we get we get him in his own words a little bit too, um, despite not being like sit down interviews with him. Um, I'm not sure Casavetes would ever do a sit down interview. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be his. No, I don't think so, and I I don't know any, what that interview would be like, frankly. Any interview would have to be an acting exercise. So, <laughs> right, it's an like it's a trick. Like you, I'm yeah. here to learn about acting. Now tell me, when did you first want to get into movies? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, he very clearly was very into his art. But kind of all I got out of this was that he was also a pretty unstable person. Like, I don't know if that was the intent of the documentary. I think it was to... Yeah. Talk about how great of a guy he was. But, like, in doing that, all I really got out of it was, like, wow, this guy could, like, really shift moods on you. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a lot of people putting uh, a happy face on... On a person who got really angry over shit that, like, like way out of yeah. proportion. Now, to be fair, the, uh, the one text anecdote about him blowing up um is framed almost believably as an act to get to really pull everybody right out and of and that's where you get into this thing in. right where it's like but yeah so like like okay well we, we i don't want to go too weird but like you know a lot of People who have problems are really good at like putting a spin on it after the fact, <laughs> and their loved ones tend to enable them by doing that too. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm a little bit concerned by that, but I mean, we don't know. I, I'll never know. But like, which is which is kind of what a woman under the influence is about, right? Uh, that is true. So, it absolutely is, and certainly certainly what opening night is about in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, too, for sure, so. for sure. I mean, which is interesting because possibly we've learned that Casavetes really was writing about himself. Uh, which, maybe, which maybe. I mean, okay. I'm willing to I'm willing to give Casavetes the benefit of the doubt here, just because everyone seems everybody to be does so seem yeah everybody does seem it. to be really positive about him, and including his like wife working with him, which is which yeah. I mean, it, but like again, every director you've like every good director you've ever heard stories about is like fucking super weird. Yeah. I mean, and they, everybody they just literally like non weird directors just don't seem to exist. <laughs> 
Those are not And people. in a project like this specifically, but in any retrospective project after someone dies, uh, you don't very often get the people airing the dirty laundry, right? No, so. no. And, and you, yeah, you wouldn't expect it, so... Well, so I wouldn't expect it, but also it seems naturally positive. Yeah, I, I would agree. I just I just found it funny because it really felt like the guy was stretching for three hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, and yeah, so I was like, um, like maybe if we had made it shorter, he would seem a less less erratic. You know what I mean? Like, because like if you start asking anybody to tell stories about their deceased relatives and then you keep pushing them for like a really long time and just keep asking and keep eventually you'll get to the weird stories where like they had a shitty day and they did this weird thing and like well you've been asking me questions about my my grandpa for seven hours i'm out of (laughs) stories okay so i'm going to tell you about the one where he stubbed his toe and threw something across the room or so you know what i mean it's like that's not his personality. Which is also like a, like a Casavetta style too, right? Just down. Yeah, down I'm just gonna beat the shit out of you with like. To, yeah, I'm gonna wear you out till you're not wear a person. You out until, until you're presenting some sort of even deeper truth. Uh, which, which, what we did learn is that we did learn a little bit about why I think, why we interpreted opening night as being one of the least. W- well constructed ones, but I think in Casabetti's yeah. mind it is the most well. Like you know what I mean, like because it's that about what he considers truth is that breakdown. Yes, and self revelation. Whereas for us that was like it doesn't hold water in the context yeah. of reality. So that entire last sequence where where things seem to be coming apart at the seams, it's. For him, that's he's brilliant. not interested in the truth of the characters necessarily anymore, but the truth of him and Roland's relationship, right? To a certain extent, yeah. Which is and, well, an interesting thing to the do. The characters are based on them, in a way. They are them. Yeah, I mean, it's um, an interesting thing to do, them, but so. it, it it makes for a lot of cohesion problems in the actual film. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that idea that we frequently get in this of him, you know, the spirit of improv within what he's doing and the sort of letting go of acting and and truly becoming um, the character and what you're presenting. Uh, which, on the one hand, sounds like high and mighty pretension, but on the other... Yeah, but that it, ma- that it makes sense in to very me. interesting ways. Yeah, I mean, I it actually, in, yeah, I feel like it's really ways. easy with acting, kind of on both sides for both both sides of the cr- kind of critical scale there to say like, oh, well, you're just being pretentious. But it's also really easy for people to underestimate like how difficult it is to become another person on command. Yeah, and and Casavetes does seem to do a very good job of that. His characters he gets are people to do what very they want. much. There was that people. one quote I, I think in regards to the big blow up at the tech, um, that was really meant to jar the actors. Right, I just uh, felt bad for the tech. I was like, uh, wow, that was 
Hope you went and apologized at some point to the <laughs> yeah. guy you just exploded uh, on. Re- yeah, but there was there was uh, a quote just after that. Someone someone saying um, he had he had a way of getting you to do exactly what he wanted you to do, uh, but making you think it was your idea. Um, which. You know, is a great director, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's well, it's it's interesting because, like, like you know, any uh, any description of a good director could also double as a, a description of a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, he made me believe I wanted to kill that person. I don't know, murderer. Yeah. Like, I, 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 by the time he got done with me, I wanted to kill that person. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it seems like he was very good at that. Um, and I and I hearing the process was interesting. I would hate to actually be one of his actors because yeah. holy fucking shit! Like I don't. You want me to do twenty five takes? Yeah. Like how did the man ever actually afford to make a film? Because well, he, he didn't. Is, is well, I know. I know. That's what we learned, right? <laughs> but like, I know, like, or like mortgages and stuff. I'm like, but like. Even that, the number, the things they were throwing at me as ways he made it work didn't seem like they were enough to cover the amount of film that he was talking about using. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just ran the camera for, like, 18 hours straight. No biggie. It's like, how, what? Like, what? Like, super, well, fam- super famous sometimes- films, like, didn't get, like, didn't get scenes because they ran out of film. Yeah. Like, no joke. I don't get it. It's just, like I, I, he must have like found some sort of like I found a secret stash of film underneath a buried in a warehouse in Soviet Russia. Well, other times, other times it's clear that the multiple takes aren't actually getting recorded anyway. That's also like, true. The, like I just I don't the, even turn this camera on for the first eighteen of yeah. them because like I mean the those joke, are shit anyway. The prank they played on Seymour, having him run the uh, the runaway scene, jumping out the window. And running down the street, yeah. prank uh, air quotes. I like. I that's a. That's a <laughs> yeah. I only. Yeah, I mean, I, we just made you run yeah. a couple kilometers because you know <laughs> we're funny like that. And there was one they were talking about working with a professional actor who just wasn't getting what Casavetes wanted. That they did like that he he insisted on twenty five takes, um, where it really feels like maybe they. <laughs> yeah, the first the first they, twenty they, just they, camera wasn't yeah. it on. <laughs> yeah. Um, they just had the cameraman do, make a faint, a faint whirring noise with his mouth. You brought up, you brought up money and the limitation as inspiration for quality and for art. Uh, they talk about a little bit, uh, which is an idea I, I certainly appreciate. Um, and I think limitations, limitations push you to do something. Right, but the weird thing unique. is, is he doesn't seem to operate with limitations. Yeah, that's the weird thing is, it's it, like. It, Everything about the story is a classic, like, well, we had to make do with what we had, and uh, that inspired us to work in a more creative way uh, and produce a lot of new, interesting styles of production. But it actually, for yeah. Kazavetes, it more seems like, well, I just uh, found some more film. <laughs> I just did it. Well, that's the thing. No like, one actually. It's like I didn't. I didn't have to. I didn't about... cut out any scenes I wanted to put in there. I just found more film. They talk about how they, they, you know, like the day before, what was it, Woman Under the Influence was set to film. They just didn't have it. There was no money 
to yeah, buy like film. that's what I'm talking about. Like film. that's not a thing that and then happens they arrive to that people. Day and they've got thirty thousand feet, and there's no explanation of where it came from. Exactly, like, that that's anecdote? what I'm talking about. I can't help but feel like they've got to be hiding something. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Casabes like had a key to like a major studio's like film. Uh, <laughs> Ball or something. That's why we don't. That's why we don't know. Yeah, like they can't uh, tell us because then they, you know, there's the statute of limitations isn't up on uh, all the the theft that took place. Maybe that's maybe that's why he left uh, the copy of uh, Faces or whatever uh, or Shadows, I think it was on the on the subway because that was his way of putting it back into the universe so that he could get free film from somewhere <laughs> it's like, else. It's karmic film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I leave this well, here. I really, the universe will reward me with a whole nother reel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was, you know, obviously we are working on, on tight budget stuff. They're filming in his house. No, I mean, uh, I totally get that. I get that. I mean, I do get kitchen, it like that. You know? But at the same time, again, like, there's a lot of things about, I, do you, are you under the impression that even if Cassavetes were a millionaire, he would make his films in any way other than the way he did. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely Exactly. Not. That's what I'm talking about. Nothing I heard implied to me that he was operating, quote unquote, under limitations. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, very clearly, this is the style he wants. Because yeah. even the films where he had more money and like and stuff like that, it seems like he still made that kind of film. And I'm okay with that because I do actually like his style a lot. Uh, yeah. I like the way that his films are filmed. Uh, anything after Shadows. I don't really like Shadows. Um, Shadows is so... Stylistically. What? Uh, the style is there, but it's so proto... It's such a proto version of it that it, I, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Whereas, uh, like, once you, even by the time you get to Faces... It's a little too loose. It's... He's got yeah. it. This is what it's going to be like from now on. I what you're saying there. Uh, and faces is, is more kind of dutch angly and stuff than his other ones but uh you know by by the time you get to woman under the influence it's fucking spot on perfect and yeah i love it i just (laughs) i i'm just saying i don't know that that's because he was operating under limitations well i think i think the other thing is the difference between the apartments they were filming in in New York. Oh yeah, for sure. Dutch an- those Dutch angles happen because those Dutch <laughs> angles happen because like space. shit. There's no space for cameras here, so uh, well, we got to get everybody in the screen in the scene. So well, we'll put it on the ground and angle it up. Yeah, cameraman is literally sitting in the corner because that is the only space <laughs> yeah. For yeah. Him. Well, exactly, or, or like out on the balcony or some shit like that. Yeah, looking through the window. I did. I love the bit where they're talking about guerrilla filming in New York, where they just had a taxi cab sitting <laughs> sitting there. So that if the police walked around the corner, they could throw the camera in, and the cab could take off, and they could <laughs> they could claim yeah. that uh, they weren't filming. They didn't need permits because they weren't doing anything. They were just sightseeing. <laughs> we, we we go sightseeing with a humongous camera. Yeah. Um, very early, I believe, uh, someone says that it's really hard to believe, but he wasn't motivated by money. And I thought, have you seen his movies? Like, yeah, like no, none of us are like. Yeah, he definitely was out of, in is, it for the money. It is super clear that he was not in this for money. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I don't feel like our our cavalcade of actors had a lot of new information to share with us. 
Yeah. And what new information they had for us could have been contained within like half an hour. Like I did learn some stuff, but like it was really heavily dispersed among things that like I had picked up from watching the things that they were talking about. Yes. Yeah, it contextualized a little bit. But yeah, I mean, certain pieces of enough. information would have been nice to certain things. Like, like you know, when we were talking about opening night, like, I do understand that movie a little bit better than I did before. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the stuff I already kind of understood based on just watching the films and being like, okay, I kind of get what kind of person, what he wants to tell us with his films. But I don't know. I don't know that it added enough new information. Like I, like we, maybe listening to the episodes and anyone who is who is going through may disagree with this. But I feel uh, it's like possible we, we had a pretty good grasp of what he was trying. Yeah, to Yeah, I mean, I think we 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 did wonder about him as a person quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, just because like his movies don't give you a lot of context for again because we we compared him to Fellini and trying to understand like. Yeah, you know, you, you Fellini is a, is via film an open book, whereas yeah. as Casavetes is not nearly as open, right? You're like, well, which character is a stand-in for the director or and writer or, or any of them? Yeah, we did struggle with that a little bit, and this did make that a little bit more clear, which is nice, but it's also too yeah. late. Uh, well, for us, here's, for here's us a, personally, an interesting take on that. Fellini is an open book in that Fellini is a. Uh, Production. Fellini is a a piece of art himself presenting this idea, and that's what a book in its finished form is. Casavetes is trying to uh, take away all that artifice. Right? right. No, I, I not, agree. He's not agree. one set book, and what he's presenting isn't one neat little thing. He's he's trying to present something deeper, something more true. Right, and and, uh, and we we definitely stumbled upon. When we were watching these films, that like if you had if you gave me a choice between those two things, I would much rather watch Cassavetes' work because there is actual <laughs> there's actual honest attempts at truth in yeah. that thing. Um, again, yeah. Woman Under the Influence is one of the most mind bogglingly amazing films. Like the more I think about Absolutely. that film, the more I love that film, and the more I want to go back yeah. and watch it again because I didn't watch it enough. Like I need to watch it again. Because, like, the more I think about the way it both begins and ends without – it's just this just – this, somebody reached into a person's timeline and just pulled out to, yeah. like – it's not actually over – you know, I mean, it takes over a longer period of time. But just pulled this chunk of time out of a person's timeline and just said, like, here's the time. Like, here it is. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you need answers? Like – when you're done with things in your life, do you have answers? Like, I love it so much. Um, and watching that, that was the one that was the one that this provided the most kind of like reaffirmed that for me. That like the process and everything was trying to give that effect as much as possible. That yeah. The goal was to and like how much the actor sort of influenced what actually happened and was was interesting to watch, but then then it got fairly repetitious. Like we kept her, hearing the same things over and over and over again, which yeah. did kind of wear me down a little bit. So the most interesting thing to me 
was about a movie we haven't seen. Um, a Child is Waiting. Um, the 63 one he did about the uh, the mentally handicapped. Yeah, um, no, yeah. I, I, yes. Where the producer re-edited it without Cassavetes' consent. And it was really, really the point where he decided, at least in the narrative of the documentary we're watching, and as much as there is one, it, it seems presented as the point where where he decided he could never work under someone else, where he needed creative control. And that was not necessarily true uh, moving forward. I think we, we had some examples of, of producers pushing in a little bit. Yeah, um, but I think uh, the there's a difference watch. between a little bit versus re-editing your entire film yeah. without your knowledge. But also very interesting in that uh, Casavetes, uh version of the film and Stanley Kramer's version of the film uh, also seem to be like a microcosm of all of the arguments we get in education. Yeah, I know. I know. I was really fascinated like by this. that. I was like, I was watching. I was like, okay, so you guys are legit just having the argument that <laughs> the entire world yeah. has had about like educating uh people with special needs good okay yeah good to yeah. know that that where extends stanley into kramer's weird like, areas of hollywood great okay where stanley kramer's view is apparently well they 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 can't function in society you need to lock them all up and 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 let's let be clear here stanley kramer whatever monster, life they okay can i've never met have. stanley kramer i don't know anything about him but he's clearly a monster <laughs> yeah. like, who yeah. himself should probably be locked up whereas casabetta's uh and obviously, we get a a very negative view of Kramer's interpretation. Right, right. It's definitely got it definitely of... got some coloration on the lens there. There's it's definitely a biased view, but but yeah, I like it presented um, to us in a very clearly uh, in a super clearly biased manner. But yeah, yeah, Kramer was a monster who thought all handicapped children should be locked in jail and beaten. Yeah. Is uh, uh kind of what I got. Whereas Casavetes is presented as wanting to present. You know, wanting to portray these kids as kids. You know, they're they're they they've got issues, but they're still kids, and they need to be treated as kids. Um, interestingly enough, uh, after the movie came out, Casavetes, uh, while he disowned it, um, did say, "Cool, uh, well, I don't think his film, and that's what I consider to be his film, Kramer's film." Uh, was so bad, just a lot more sentimental than mine. My dream was to jump the barrier of ordinary objection to the subject matter into an area in which the treatment of it and the performance of it would be so exquisite that it would transcend all that. Somewhere we failed. Um, and he acknowledges that he himself failed. You know, right? Interesting. Because it wasn't Kramer wasn't stepping in just because. Uh, he wanted to, or didn't agree. Right, it was also just not the thing that even possibly Casavetes <laughs> was trying to do. It just wasn't working. Either. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but interesting to call Kramer's view of it more sentimental, right? That's not really... Well, but, it, but, it, but, it, but, 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 it's also like 1970-something, right? Well, 63 is when it 60. came out, okay, I don't well, know see, when that, 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 did, that made my from. argument stronger, not, like, not weaker. Yeah. Like... <laughs> We bear in mind that it, to get to the point we got to right now, we crossed a threshold where like the the entire 
predominant view of how handicapped people should be handled in society flipped. Okay, like, yeah. I mean, his view, I guess, could be considered sentimental at that time in the idea that, like, that was, like, sort of the prevailing viewpoint, right? Like, the idea that, like, oh, this is what's best for them. It makes them happy. And, and you know what I mean? Like, does it make sense? Like, you know, it's... This, 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 uh, you know, the, the dealing with people with special needs is not the only category in which, like, the view flips enough that people, like, that people who have aren't, exist in their life after that barrier flips talk about the yeah. good old days, quote-unquote, when this horrible thing was true. You, you know what I mean? Like, that that happens in multiple categories. And I just presume, and presumably with spe- uh, students with special needs would be the same way. Where, like, oh, that was the such the predominant view that, like, people imagined that that was what would be best for people. And, like, I, w- I just want to help them by locking them away. Um, I don't, you know what I mean? I, I don't, it's, it's interesting, but it's quite possible that that's kind of how it works, right? Yeah. 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 Um, as it turns out, that film was, all of the kids in that film were actual, uh, patients at the Pacific State Hospital in Pomona, California, or at least, uh, the bulk of them, um, Which is a which is a and Kramer Kramer recalls after the film's release they surprised us every day in reaction in reaction and what they did. Um, yep, <laughs> like, yep. like Stanley Kramer doesn't even consider them human. Yeah, uh, I, I every day even, I was totally surprised that they could talk. I don't actually what I assume know. what he means is that I assume that Stanley Kramer was believed that they legit couldn't do things on command. Yeah. Like, like emote or something. You know what I mean? Like, remember, yeah. 1963, man. 1963. Yeah. The past and is I, a foreign I, country. I, okay. But, a foreign but country about, that was a nightmare where people thought the people who were uh, <laughs> mentally handicapped or in special needs were, were. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, it's it's, we haven't come that far, right? No, we <laughs> haven't. There's still plenty of people who no, still. Oh, yeah. No, no. Things have not come nearly as far as they need to, but. Yeah. I, I, yes. This is a very depressing topic. I don't want to spend much more time on. Can we please move on? Yeah. Yeah. Like people's inability I, to I handle do. people with special needs is a nightmare. I only I only bring it up because it is in talking about a movie we didn't see. At right. Length. Well, and we do get some um, other stuff. Right. Like what I love though, Adam. What I really loved about this documentary is the amount of information we were given about stage plays that we couldn't possibly have seen. <laughs> Yes. Yes. But but mingled in uh, among the movies that we definitely could have seen, in a way that implies that it's our fault that we haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, like, I, I was like, "What do you want from me, movie? Like, I haven't seen it. None of your audience has seen it. <laughs> like, you need to understand that, okay? Yeah. Like, you're. It's not like because like the actors are like talking about, it, like, yeah, 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 and like like. Your entire audience has not seen what you're talking about, okay? Yeah. You are providing information, nostalgic information about a thing that nobody knows exists. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, but it does get us to the point where Peter Falk gets to gets to share that great story about him breaking into the theater. 
because he forgot his wallet. Right. Well, let's be know, clear here. through a window or something. Let's be clear here. I am <laughs> I am very happy that Peter Falk is in this documentary, yeah. and he is one of the shining, like beauty, <laughs> beautiful things about this. I, I it's wonderful, and I, I like how his stories are just like these very like. I can't help but feel like they called him up and asked him to tell the stories, and like. He just was like, what? Like, what? You want, what? Because, like, none of his stories are the least connected to whatever the theme is at any given time. Like, it's just, it's, it's like, true. it's only it's very true. vaguely connected. It's like, well, we got Peter Falk and we're going to use him. Uh, but he kind of just told us crazy stories the whole time that don't connect to what we're talking about. To be fair, they were really good friends. So, right. But, like, that's the thing, right? Like, if, but, very clearly, Peter Falk did not want to stay on topic. Yeah. Like, this is clear. Like, everybody else was, like, reminiscing and, like, giving, like, really specific, like, not specific, actually probably less specific, more, like, general feelings. Whereas Peter Falk was like, I'm just going to tell some fucking stories, okay? Peter, Peter Falk was doing what he knew John would want him to do. This is true. This is absolutely right. true. I'm going to make this documentary what he wants. God damn it. <laughs> and half of these stories are made up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he wouldn't care. But he would love it. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think Peter Folk is lying about anything. I do I do love the end of that story being that uh that John Cassavetes is already in the theater that Peter Falk has just broken into fixing the toilet. Yep. No, that's <laughs> beautiful. Doing plumbing, but work. all but but uh, all of Peter Falk's stories are like that in this movie, and that yeah, is what absolutely. that is what makes this movie bearable. Is every time he shows up, you're like, okay, here we go. Peter Falk's gonna say something crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna love it. Meanwhile, it's gonna be true, it's, and I'm gonna love it. It's gonna be true. It's gonna be crazy, and there's going to be exclusively a a nude portrait behind him the entire time. <laughs> Just for flavor, okay. I did not even notice. Well, it's not. It's a, I, it is. It is a pencil drawing of a nude woman, as far as I can tell. Okay. okay. Just for flavor. Just just to add a little bit of spice to the entire thing. Oh, it's definitely Peter Falk's living room. So. Oh no, I'm sure it is. It's like I didn't know Peter Falk was into like drawing. Cool. I know a thing yeah. now. Yeah, I, mean, I assume he did it. I mean, it's like um, a chalk. It's a chalk. It, like yeah. you wouldn't hang up a thing. You wouldn't hang up a pencil or chalk drawing. Generally, unless it was your own or a family member's, you know what I mean. Like that's not a uh, thing people hang up. Generally, having not noticed it, I can't speak to this. But a lot of like Picasso, Matisse, that sort of impressionism. It it, it could um, be that as well. I, mean, I, yeah. w- I was I didn't bring that up because that's not an experience in most normal people's lives. The other yeah. option is it is from somebody super duper fundamentally fucking <laughs> super, super important, famous. and then yes, you do an actual legit artist. Like that is also true. But that, okay, so there exists three possibilities. <laughs> yes, my point is is that you don't like hang up a chalk drawing of a nude woman from like that you picked up at the coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> clearly, um, Falk wanted that in the frame because it is behind his head. The entire time. He's like, they came into his office and they're like, where do you want to, where should we put you? And they're like, I know the perfect place. I'm going to tell some stories about John Cassavetes, so here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
It's interesting. I don't know who the audience for this documentary God, is. God, I don't know. Because there's well, not... Well, first of all, people who have a lot of endurance. Yeah. Well, what? Yes. Which is uh, not there's... me, because I, I ended up pacing around my, 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 my living room while I was watching this. Like, I can't... Oh man, I, I struggle with documentaries unless unless they are. What were the guys who did Salesman and uh, and uh, oh, uh, uh, um, Grey Garden? You put me on the spot. Um, well, okay, yeah. Unless it's or one of their Mazel's. documentaries, I'm just not going to get. It, but I'm David not, and Albert. Unless it's one of their documentaries, it's a really good chance that I'm going to have trouble. Well, this documentary was not visually engaging. No, it's not, and that's a big part of it. And, and but also, again, yeah. those those documentaries always have a storyline. Yeah, uh, this just doesn't. It's really challenging. It's I don't know. Sometimes to right. the detriment of reality, but they always have right. Story. Yeah. Okay, let's be clear here. We we have a running theme of every documentary that we've ever done on this podcast is reality schmality. Yeah. Exactly. We're making a movie. Yeah, like it's not going to exist in this because we can't do that. It doesn't fit on film. Yeah, um, there is. Yeah, I. But but what I mean is, anyone who has watched Casabetta's films and not gotten them isn't going to want to sit through this on the chance that a portrait of John Casabetta's will help them get them. <laughs> Uh, right, right. I like this guy though that might exist. Right, yeah. who's like, I didn't get any person. of this shit. I gotta sit down and watch this so I can understand. Like, yeah. it's it's made for aliens. I assume they put it on some sort of <laughs> maybe, like probe maybe. that they launch into space <laughs> alongside Whereas, the box set. I, they just put the whole box set on and said like, and they're like, and there's a little note that says, "Watch this first and last." Yeah. Whereas a lot of the more sort of profound things that this documentary is trying to tell us about John Cassavetes, uh, that he wasn't in it for the money. Uh, we already that he get, rejected yeah. film convention and shorthand. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I like that they would feel like the need to tell us that. Like, <laughs> we really? just watch the movies. <laughs> yeah, what? duh. What? Man, doesn't like film convention. I didn't notice. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't like to to use normal incidents and film shorthand to tell a story. Uh, yeah, he yeah. Pre- we just he prefers to leave movies. the story unfit. Uh, he prefers to leave <laughs> the final conclusion of the story untold. Well, I I had no idea. <laughs> crazy, crazy. He doesn't want just uh, two people kissing and falling into bed to to signify that hey they slept together. <laughs> yeah, there's and no duh. there's no weird like uh, U or S shaped sheets in Casavetes uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, films. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's, yeah. No, it's the just, it's, it, represented they did yeah. yeah. so, so what makes it, Which only... is what makes it, Adam, a three hour and 20 minute eulogy, okay? Yeah. Because if you think about yeah, any be... funeral you've ever been to, you were told exclusively <laughs> information you already know about the person yeah. you're there for. No and new information. And, and then it's. And it's the same sort of weirdly biased, like, rose-colored yeah. glasses view of those people where you kind of strip out all the negative things unless it's really funny. Uh, you know, it, it's the yeah. same thing where where possibly you add in things about yourself into their life just because it's, you, you have it's the It's fucked out to, about with personal stories that you think are indicative of something greater about the character, but they're not necessarily Right, they might just be stories you like that had them in it. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, I mean, it's really like it is. It is one hundred percent a three hour and twenty minute long eulogy, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that as a concept, except for like the only time people want to watch eulogies is at funerals. It's at a funeral. Yeah. Like I just you, don't. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. They definitely make that video or whatever, but then nobody ever watches that thing. So. <laughs> um. You brought up the music earlier, and Bo, yeah. Bo Howard God damn it, I love it so much. Um, or Howland. I love it so much. Now I can't remember if it's Howard or Howland. Um, I had it oh, right I don't. I, I, it's Bo Harwood, I think. Harwood. There Harwood, we go. Yeah. I was way off. Harwood. Um, I should know, considering the amount of time I've put into trying to fucking yeah. find anything. <laughs> I did love the, uh, the recordings, uh, the demos of... Casavetes himself performing the different music, uh, because as as they point out in the documentary, and then show us instead of just telling us, he's not a great singer. No, <laughs> God, no, no, he's not good at music in any capacity. Yeah, uh, toward the end of this, we get what seems to be the theme song he wrote for opening night, uh, which, as a theme song for opening night, is terrible. But as like a neo folk song, not that bad. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I thought like, the same thing. I was like, eh, I'm okay yeah. with this. Yeah, just like very, very clearly, talking. like tastes have changed in society because, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is probably passable. I could listen to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, not no. great. Uh, but yeah, folk but I've, music never is. <laughs> yeah, no. Neo folk is always pretty, pretty rough around all the edges, and I still listen to it mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, but then you got to well, compare then... it. You got to compare it to then if you compare it though to like what what theoretically Bo Harwood makes out of that. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man! I I don't. There's I I now I thought in my life I thought I had discovered the only like synthesizer work that's worth a damn in the whole universe, which is John <laughs> Carpenter. And now I've discovered that there are two. Uh, yeah, because they're both really good. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Harwood, uh, starting, uh, in about 86, um, started getting into television work and is actually the sound mixer, uh, um, on Pee Wee's Playhouse, my so-called yep, love. Yeah, it totally checks out. Yeah. Well, no, I, I actually did a, do uh, a little bit of research and he does have like an album. It's just not that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I and I'm sure I I listened a little bit, but like I I just I know what I want. Yeah, and then like there is a there is a there is a article I kept running into where he like unveils like like the tracks that from that he made for the films, but like I just want a CD. God damn it. <laughs> it's like it's always like a news article where it's like, yeah. But like, please point me at where I can get that thing. Thank you. Yeah, and what you want specifically is his work for Casavetes. Yes, exactly. Well, and that's like, the thing, that's right? They're like, of... like if you go and find these articles, like composer Bar- Bo Harwood unveils twenty rare tracks from the films of John Casavetes. It's like, where in this article do you tell me where <laughs> yeah, I can me buy that tracks. thing? Yeah, I... I want to do that. As it turns out, it was just him 
uh, standing outside his house with a big table. Oh, and he it, pulled it a does, sheet up. It does it's exist. It's a pile of it 20 It does tapes. exist. <laughs> it does exist. Because I, fi- I didn't, every time I checked, I always found an article that didn't give me a link to it. The one I just found, I can buy individual tracks through PayPal and download them directly. Well, oh, there you go. that's going to happen. Um... <laughs> uh, it's going to be weird because I'm going to have a whole bunch of tracks that like iTunes or whatever will be like, what the fuck is this? But that's going to happen. Uh, so perhaps. But you know what? When will... I'm going to have to I'm going to have to check this out a little bit more in more depth. So I got to figure out there what is... is the main theme of uh, Killing of a Chinese Bookie because I need that thing now. There is one other documentary on Jack Cassavetes, at least one other documentary on Jack Cassavetes, that eventually we'll have an opportunity to watch. Uh, for Love Streams, which will be our last Cassavetes film that is 12 years in our future. Uh, <laughs> in the future. On the Love Streams Criterion DVD, uh, so uh, even if uh, Criterion Collection still exists <laughs> by the time we get there... Uh, we're not Hopefully stopping even have if the website the gone. special features on it. Um, but there is a documentary uh, on Love Streams, which is kind of a behind the scenes and making of Love Streams, uh, and which was his last film, by the way, uh, filmed in '84, and then he died in '89, as we said earlier. Um, this was released in '89 originally, um, but is available, like I said, on the uh, on the 2014 Criterion release of Love Streams. It is called I'm Almost Not Crazy, John Cassavetes, The Man and His Work. <coughs> I already think this documentary maybe gets it a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, very well might. <laughs> Certainly has a better title. Uh, hopefully isn't as long. Um, yeah, 60 minutes. Definitely definitely Dude. a more manageable runtime. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I can handle that a little bit better. Oh, I can buy all 20 tracks. And the yeah. history of their work together for eleven ninety nine. Hey, that's that's I'm not I'm not that is getting bought after we hang up. Yeah, where okay. are you finding that? It's on his official website, which is boharwood.com. Which there we go. Good to know. I which despite spending the last fucking two weeks <laughs> like looking up every possible permutation of like Casavetes, killing of a Chinese bookie soundtrack, music, and a bunch of other goddamn things I couldn't find, and then I found while we're fucking talking. Because that's <laughs> how go. the internet works. <laughs> I probably just didn't read the articles close enough because I was upset that like it wasn't like, buy them here, you know, and then have like a fucking button or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. The link was buried uh, deep in the article, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm upset, but I'm happy. I can, it is I can great music, um, and I think I think definitely the musical aspects of this documentary were were my well. But stuff. you know the music, the musical aspects of the documentary are just like, well, let's just put this music in this documentary. Here we go. Yeah. Well, there is in the, general that excellent too. Um, <laughs> true enough. True enough. It's like it's the um, same reason that any Beatles documentary is fucking amazing. <laughs> music wise it's like and, and like academy award winning academy award for best music in a documentary goes to whatever beatles documentary came out this year yeah 
or or Bob Dylan or somebody. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, if the fucking music's amazing, it's amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they do that on purpose, but you know, they could. I'm just saying. Oh. Well, I think it's time to close the book on a constant forge. Uh, well, and and Cassavetes in general for set. the next twelve years. Which I'm a little bit sad about. I'm not going to lie. Like I, this was a journey. I yeah, was I yeah, was unsure after Shadows. I was really unsure. I was like, oh boy, I don't know. But it got progressively better up until yeah. the point where it got a little bit went a little bit off the rails for me. But <laughs> uh, well, just because I like, got, again like got too good. Well, opening night just got you know opening night just was yeah. I understand, but I don't think it was necessarily a better version of what he had done yeah and then this is not him this is people talking about him which is surprisingly enough people talking about a genius is not as good as just listening to the genius talk <laughs> or, or just let it watching the genius work well that's what um, I, that's what i mean i meant i meant yeah. talk in the in the idea of express himself yeah. directly yeah. yeah uh next week uh and the week following we are getting a pair of Robert Robert Altman pieces, uh, political pieces, uh, starting with The Secret Honor, um, a film, uh, kind of a, a one-man show, Richard Nixon thing. Um, <laughs> I That description, I'm already tingling with excitement. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, and then uh, after that, we'll be doing his 1988 miniseries, Tanner 88, um. Yeah, written by Gary Trudeau, <laughs> and this will be the episode. That'll be the episode where uh, Lost in Tritarian truly becomes ripped from the headlines. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, that'll be the episode where we condense way too much material and do a one-hour episode. Yeah, I know that. Whenever, is... whenever they give us a TV show, it's like, yeah, okay. I understand that you didn't know we were going to do this, but. <laughs> Come on! Like what was it like fishing with John or something like that? It's like um, yeah. okay. At least fishing with John was uh, manageable. It was. It um, was. But Tanner eighty eight is a this full is, like mini series, right? Yeah, this is. I I I don't know how many episodes they are. I, I looked it up we and I are, forgot. We are we're going approaching to... six hours of material. Yeah, no, it's so. going to be. <laughs> Well, I think we already decided that we had to spend two weeks preparing for that recording. Yeah, just watching it. So, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. Uh, this we were talking about a constant forge, Charles Kozilek. Uh, wow, it got worse somehow. Uh, that did, one really did. fell apart on you. Yeah, this is the thing I, I do now, Adam. I critique your your your, your pronunciation of, of it's any... not a thing. Don't pretend like you've just suddenly. No, 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 no. I I've realized that it's a thing I'm literally going to do every time. What yeah. I mean is, like before, it was more subconscious, and now I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm pulling a Fellini. Actively... I'm aware, and I'm going yeah. to continue. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm aware of my inability to pronounce names correctly, and I've done nothing to change. So <laughs> right. I'm okay. Fellini so we're too. all in the same book. Okay. We're all Fellini. <laughs> I, and you know what? That's actually what Fellini movies are actually about. Is you're right. all me, God damn it. Deal with it. <laughs> uh, They're not about him at all. They're about us. 
They're all. He is. He is the. He is the weirdly warped mirror that he holds up to all of us. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Anyway, a constant forge. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. A very long documentary that could be could be quite a bit shorter about John Gassavetes. Who is a brilliant filmmaker, and I don't want. Yeah, don't no, want no, no, no. This this documentary this. is not his fault. Yeah, it's not really his fault. Uh, thank you for listening. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorian. We'll see you next time. been listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Class, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.